This is the first Sunday in Lent, and we begin a new sermon series that we will carry through uh, this time called Dust to Dust, which is a time for us to reflect upon who we really are as human beings and uh, what that means for the life of faith. And up here on the altar, uh, in case you're like at a distance and can't quite see, is a bowl filled with sand uh, to remind us that from dust we have come and to dust we shall return. So whenever you get kind of like bored in the sermon, you can just stare at the bowl of dust and and God will speak to you and, and say, listen to the sermon. So uh, today I am reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 to 18, and then uh, skipping 22 to 23. So hear now uh, the word of God. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I have to say that, you know, oftentimes in our lives we get this idea that we can really have things the way we want them, when we want them, as we want them. You know, take for instance, breakfast. You go into a restaurant, they give you the menu. There are 28 different uh, options you can order. The server comes, you say, I'll have a number 22. And they say, how would you like your eggs? And you say, coddled. And they say, no, I'm sure that's what you say. And then they say, well, toast, biscuit, pancakes, waffle, uh, muffin, uh, Indian naan. And you say, a, a biscuit will be fine. And, and then they go on and say, hash browns, grits, fruit, uh, a cottage cheese, or sliced tomatoes. Ew, I mean, who really orders sliced tomatoes? And by the time you've gone through all this, could you 
turn this down just a tad. By the time you've gone through all of this uh, breakfast ordering, you get put before you a plate that is exactly what you want, and you feel like, you know, wow, I can have it all. Whatever I want is at my disposal. But most of the time in life, we have to set priorities. Most of the time, we have to make choices among competing goods. Think, for example, about buying a home, whether it's your first home or your fifth home. The first thing that realtor is going to ask you is, what are your must-haves? And if you're lucky, you're going to get your must-haves and maybe even a couple of your nice-to-haves, but you cannot get it all, everything you want just doesn't seem possible. And then, of course, once you're living in that house, now you have a whole list of things that you want to change out and remodel and repair and upgrade, and you can't do it all. You have to set priorities of what you will do. And then, of course, here in the church, it's no different. The trustees have a list of projects, electronic sign out front, a, a portico at the north door, uh, improvements inside, some improvements to the outside. But of course, we can't do them all at once. We have to prioritize our list. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, you have got to set priorities. If you're in high school or college student, you have to set the priority to put your studies first if you want to keep your grades up. And yes, I'm looking at Jay. And when you're older, you set your alarm on your watch to remind you to take your medicines because they have become a priority in your life. Across our lives, our priorities will change. They may even change sometimes from day to day. But there is always one priority that we should keep at the forefront all across the days of our lives, and that is that we will choose to love and serve the living God. This should be our priority. So when we get to this text today in the book of Joshua, we find that this whole story is a story of occupying the land of Canaan. And if you remember your Old Testament, that the story really begins when Abraham is called by God and the promise to Abraham is that you will be a great and numerous nation and you shall occupy the land of Canaan. Of course, there are other people living there, but that is the promise given to Abraham and his descendants. Now, of course, during the time of Joseph, there's a famine in the land. Uh, the Israelites end up in Egypt, and over time, when the new Pharaoh arises, what happens? They end up under uh, uh, forced labor there in Egypt. They are forced to do hard work, and then God lifts up Moses, who liberates the people from their captivity, and Moses guides them out into the wilderness where they wander for 40 years, and Moses dies. Never seen the promised land, and I like to say there's a sermon in that, but for another day. So now Joshua rises up as the leader of the people of Israel, 
And what we find in this book of Joshua is the story of how he leads the people into battle and to fight the uh, people who are living in the land and to conquer it for the Israelites. Now, the first thing I always have to stop and ask is the question of, did God really want them to go to war and take the land by force? Or was this just another example of people having a hard time waiting on the promises of God and waiting for God to act and saying, ah, let's just go ahead and get this done now. Often in the Bible, you will see that faithful people have this tendency to think that maybe God has forgotten them or isn't going to come through, and so they take things into their own hands, and of course, God will have to come back and fix the mess they've made. But now the people have occupied, they have the land of Canaan just as God has promised them. So Joshua gathers all the people together and he says, look, I want to remind you of what God has done in your lives all this time. All the things that God has promised, all the things that God has brought you through. And now I want to remind you how many times you've turned away. How many times you've chased after other gods. And if we were to be honest, you know, you and I, we have our moments where we are also chasing after other gods, whether it's our work that becomes all-consuming in our lives, or there are things we're afraid of, or we're just so set on having this new car, or whatever it it may be, it distracts us and grabs our attention, and that's where we find our heart for a period of time. And these Israelites being in this land have paid attention to some other gods. I mean, even think about when Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, what do the people do? Gosh, he's gone so long. Let's make ourselves a god and worship it. Right? And they make a golden calf. So it's it, the human beings do this over and over again. They turn away from God despite all that God is doing in their lives. And here Joshua now says, the promises have been fulfilled. We're in the land of milk and honey. We can plant houses and grow vineyards. And now I want to ask you, on this day, who are you going to serve? Me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. But who are you going to love and serve and put first? And the people say, oh, God, we, we will worship God. We will put God first. And Joshua says, okay, we're witnesses to one another that this is what we've chosen. Now, it's a very interesting story and a good one for the Lenten season because the first thing that we have to remember about the scriptures and our journeys is that over and over again throughout the Bible and throughout our lives, we will have this tendency to say, yes, I'm committed to God, and then we wander away. I love the hymn that says, prone to wander. Where's Judy? Prone to wander. Is she gone? She always does that. She sneak. Oh, she's all the way in the back today. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
And isn't that just it? We let all these other things in our lives sort of rise up and push God off to the side. Think about it. You know, there are so many things in our lives that demand our attention, but when it comes to our life in God, if we don't do our devotional in the morning or if we aren't reading the Bible, there aren't too many people who will actually know that. If we don't come to worship, someone may call and say, hey, are you doing okay? But you know what? Most of the time, our lives in God are not that visible. And so people uh, can get away with ignoring God and doing all these other things. But Lent is this time when it says, remember what God has done in your life. And if for no other time, when you're so prone to wander, return to me and keep me at the forefront. And remember, I am your God. I'm always faithful to you. I'm always here. Just turn to me. And this brings us really to a second important thing to remember. And that is this. Imperfection is a gift. You and I are imperfect creatures, and all the days of our lives we will be imperfect creatures. Our society sends us these messages about how we're supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to look perfect, have the perfect body, you know, the perfect exercise routine. We're supposed to have the perfect house and the perfect car and the perfect family and everything just looks so glorious. We are just perfect. We never get sick. We never have a problem. Everything is so wonderful and we know that no one's life is actually like that. All of us are imperfect, and imperfection is a gift. Because if our lives were perfect, what need would we have for God? If our lives were perfect, when would we ever feel the need to turn to God and say, I want to love you and serve you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done in my life. We have to remember that we are imperfect people, and yet it is a gift from a God who loves us and will lead us forward no matter when we wander, no matter when we stray, no matter what we do. Our God is always caring for us. Our imperfection is a gift. You know, on uh, Friday, I was driving along Northwest Expressway, and those of you familiar with that raceway know that uh, people often exceed the speed limit on, you know, you're in three lanes and they're going a lot faster than the posted speed limit. And so I am uh, in the right lane, kind of putting along, and I need to move into the middle, and so I'm looking, and I slow the car down, and I turn on my turn signal, and I turn into the lane, and just about the time I'm getting into the lane, a little Mini Cooper comes swinging into the lane. He's weaving in and out of traffic, obviously didn't see me moving, swings over, and I see literally his car a foot away from mine. And somehow, I just turned the wheel and went right back into the other lane. And then he did this the rest of the way. And I sat there and I was, you know, 
you think I would be terrified and shaking. I was calm and I was so grateful to God because I could see in my mind's eye him hitting into me, me hitting into a, a bunch of other people who are going 50 miles an hour and just a disaster along that road. And yet God's provision had been there in that moment. And, you know, yeah, maybe I'm just a good driver and I have quick reflexes, but maybe, you know, God was at work in the lives, not just of me, of these other people as well. And I even thought for a moment when I'm back in that lane watching him and, and then he cuts across three lanes and off uh, Northwest Expressway and I thought, you know, I should go follow him and say, you know, you almost killed a bunch of us. And I thought, no, I'm just going to sit in this car and praise God and be thankful for the way that God is constantly at work in my life and to remember that sometimes I stray, that I am an imperfect creature and that I fall short of the glory of God all the time, but God is always there for me. God is always waiting for us to turn and return to His loving care. So on this first Sunday in Lent and throughout this Lenten season, we should remember that we are prone to wander. Don't beat yourself up about it. Try to do the best you can, but we will all fail. That's what it means to be human. But that imperfection is a gift from God because every day it reminds us we cannot do this thing called life on our own that we need the presence and the power of the living God in the way of Jesus Christ in a world that's just never right. And so on this day, I ask you, who will you serve? Are you going to chase after all those other gods? Or on this day, Will you choose to love and serve the living God? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.